Morning. Oh, morning. Morning. There we go. So, yeah, we're continuing our walk through Acts. Um, we've come to Acts 17. This is where Paul is walking through Athens and he sees all their different idols and false gods. From other literature at the time, there are people that describe Athens as there's as many false gods and idols as there are people. Apparently the place was just full of it. So that's why it's believed that he, was, he felt compelled to stop. And he addressed um, the, the city, uh, and this is what he says. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. And so he does. He goes on to proclaim. I've just shortened it. Uh, the, the key parts of Acts 17, the rest of it, where he mentions about the God who made the world, about how he himself gives everyone life, from, that should say, from one man, he made all nations. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reached out to him and find him. At the end of Acts, it says that some did scoff, some, but some did believe and follow him. So even though he said something amazing, not everyone did immediately pack up their stuff and follow him. Some did scoff at what he had to say, particularly when he mentioned the resurrection. But some did believe him. Now, this has been used as a blueprint for mission for many years. There are so many different models of mission that have come from this and discussions. And people have analysed the whole of Acts 17 so deeply about what was it? What was this amazing, tricky, clever thing that Paul did? How was he able to talk about people's false gods and somehow hook in the real God? and bring people to Christ, or to him, but hopefully, eventually, to Christ. I actually think it's a lot simpler. I don't think there is anything necessarily that that clever. He changes his language and approach. I think all he does is he just joins up the narrative. So the people of Athens, they would have had some idea, the fact they had all these gods... They already had some sort of narrative that exists in their mind that's, that said they believe in something. There's something out there. They already had that going on in, in, in the background. All Paul does is he links that narrative to his own narrative of God, and, and he links it. It's still clever the way he did it, but, but that's, in essence, that's all he does. He's just telling a story. He, he sees the story they already have that exists, and he links it to his story. And that's why some people chose to believe. Um, so why is, why is story so important? So probably about 15 years ago, uh, we had a school reunion of, of, uh, from my primary school. So it was people that I, I hadn't seen in a good sort of 10 years. Uh, and there's about half a dozen of us around the table. We're all chatting. And uh, I was purposely doing my evangelism thing, waiting for the opportunity. How can I shoehorn Jesus in to our conversation? So I, I mentioned God. I mentioned Jesus. And one of the guys who we'd all been having a really lovely conversation about how everyone's doing their families. And I mentioned God and Jesus, and he really took offense. And he, he went off on one about, oh, religion is a load of 
so and so how can people believe in god it's just a load of rubbish and he was really kind of in my face like you know no, no disrespect but i don't know how you can believe that kind of stuff he even called me an idiot i was like okay so so I, but i told him my story rather than try and reason with him over theology and why i just told him my story and it was an honest story about how i'd gone through school which they saw they didn't see me in secondary school but i was bullied through secondary school had a really unhappy time i felt really insecure i wasn't brought up in church but when i came to church i was lost and i when i came to faith when i asked jesus into my life i didn't know what i was doing but i i, I felt compelled to and i felt transformed i said to him i can't explain it but i felt transformed i had a peace i was a repulsive liar and it stopped me from lying and i just told him my story i didn't go into massive detail and he turned to me and went fair play because see people will argue with your opinions but it's much harder for them to argue with your story because your story is you bearing in mind there is some general respect so the guy knew me he respected me we were childhood friends so so he he was able to attack my opinions but he didn't attack my story because it, it was me and and i think there was something really powerful in that and that's why for these years i i have been been really working on this and thinking about and toying with the idea of story and narrative which is why it's going to come up a lot today you're going to hear the term people love a good story this is the reason why eastenders is still going today Um, is it Coronation Street, the longest-running soap on telly? I think The Arches is the longest-running soap on radio. Why? Why are people still watching these things? Story. When I did my uni degree, 10, 11, 12, blimey, 14, 15 years ago, um, one of our lecturers, who was, I think he was a director of the course at the time, good old Bob Mayo, uh, and he was commissioned to do some research by local churches and he did it for two years a lot of money went into it It was a real big um uh, commissioning to to young people to find out how we can reach as churches how we can reach young people and he did many different things and one of the things he had to do was he had to watch eastenders for those two years he had to watch every single episode and he never watched it in his life um but he watched it and he did research and He'd go on the websites afterwards and you'd see all the responses to everything and you'd have the responses to the themes of EastEnders. You'd have the responses to the characters of EastEnders, your Phil Mitchells and your Peggy's, etc. But the thing that people exponentially spoke about and discussed more than any of those was the story. And that's where he, after those two years, one of his, I guess, um, conclusions was there's something in the story there's something about about that that resonates with people and i've i agree with that at the time i wasn't too sure because he was a bit like me now he kept saying story 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 and i was like it's not all about story surely but maybe maybe it is and i'll tell you why so our story i would go as far as to say is our identity because what i got thinking about was particularly things that have changed in society and and for churches if we look at the things that have changed over the last few years so 10 20 years ago divorce in society was still shunned upon certainly in the church and then it gradually changed society changed their opinion to divorce didn't discriminate anymore and then the church 
eventually followed suit. If we look at the LGBT community, which is close to my heart, particularly if we look at transgender as an issue, we've still got a long way to go, but society and some of church has changed its opinions to transgender people. Why? What changed? Was it the protests? Was it the parades? No. What changed, what, what made people stop and start to change their thinking was stories. Because gradually, one by one, rather than judging people, people started listening to people's stories. People who were transgender started sharing their stories. And that, and, and that people couldn't argue with. Because people can have a prejudice to a concept. So, for example, someone can take offence to or can't relate to somebody who says, I identified, uh, I, was, I was assigned female at birth, but I now identify as a male. But people, the, the people who can't identify with that, they can identify with pain and sorrow and isolation. Because that's what these transgender people's stories are. They're, they're, they're stories of rejection. They're stories of loss. They're stories of um, not knowing who you are or confusion. People can relate to that. So people stop seeing them as a thing and they start seeing them as a human being rather than pointing out and going, oh, look, there's that weird boy wearing a dress. It's, oh, look, there's Jay, the weird boy wearing a dress. So the reason why I would go fast to say stories are identity because our own stories it is who we are. It's, it's particularly if we're honest about it, which again is why... If you look at things like Big Brother and Celebrity, get, yeah, I'm in the jungle. I don't watch any of them because I'm, I'm not big on telly. But I, I'm really fascinated by how huge these things are. And the reason why these things are so big is because it's story. But not just a story that a soap, which is a cleverly edited story, which is still fictional, based on real stories, but are still the characters you see are fictional characters. When you see in the jungle, when you see Big Brother, it's, it, they're people's real stories. You actually see people for who they really are. You see what they're like first thing in the morning. You see, you see their, the things they struggle with. So there, there's something in that. There's something about society loving a good story but also accepting a story. So mission, I think we've made it a more complex thing than what it needs to be. Mission in simplicity, is just telling our story, our real story. Not just our successes, not just the answers to prayer that God's given us, but the times when God hasn't answered our prayers, the times when we have been angry at God, the times when we've doubted, the times where we've made huge mistakes, the times we've been a hypocrite, as well as the times where we've done really good stuff and God has blessed us. Because if people hear that story... We're telling the story of God, because that is what the story of God is. The, the story of God is very basic. The whole Bible is a story of a daddy who loves his children, wants them to be independent, but by making them independent, they become rebellious. But he loves them no matter what. He, he loves them despite all their failings. They're moaning, they're whinging, they're crying. He loves them. He loves them unconditionally. People need to see that in our lives. When, when we're honest with people, when we share our story about how we, we are useless at times, we are walking... I, I, as a Christian, I sometimes feel I'm just a walking contradiction. But that's the point. 
I'm a walking contradiction that is loved unconditionally. So when we tell our story to people, we are telling the story of God as, as Christians. So, what is mission? Just for sake of argument, there are a thousand different quotes of what mission is. So just in its simplest term, it's reaching all people with the story and love of God. It used to say truth, but I changed it to story, just for, for the sake of this morning. And again, just so we've got some sort of framework to work upon, in simple terms, I would say that there are three aspects of mission or telling the story. In order for someone to come to Christ, first they need to know the story. They need to believe the story. And thirdly, they need to accept the story. Now, some might argue that believing and accepting are the same thing. Just from my experience, I know people who know the story because they've been brought up in church. They believe it because they wouldn't say it's not true. They believe that Jesus did exist. They believe that this stuff that happens around them is real. But they haven't made that jump themselves where they've accepted it and following Christ for themselves. So that's why I've said there are uh, potentially three parts. So knowing the story, who is Jesus and what he's done, believing the story that Jesus is real and relevant, and then accepting the story, following Jesus and, and putting into action what you believe. So how do we reach the world with the story? Because that's, I guess, the crux of mission is how do we, if, if we do accept, if you agree that mission is story, it's our story and God's story, then how do we, how do we reach the world with that? It's a massive subject. Again, there's thousands of different approaches to, uh, to, to mission. One is the idea of uh, mission through action. So a uh, famous quote, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Apparently, it's one of the most misquoted verses as well. I've changed the wording slightly just to fit what I want. <laughs> no. Well, because it, it says, preach the gospel at all times, full stop, and sometimes use words. There's so many different versions, and there's even arguments that Francis of Assisi, who's been attributed to this, there's claims that he never even said that. So I'm looking at my source guy, and he's like, no, he's not sure either. But the idea that, that but where, where this principle came from was at the time, it was a challenge because people weren't, they weren't living out what they were preaching. They were saying one thing and doing another. So that's actually where this came from. I know growing up when I was first in the church, uh, sort of 16, 17, sorry, when I was growing up as a, as a Christian, and when I felt called to go out and, and, and evangelize, this was certainly at the time, what all the, all the speakers were talking about, this was the big movement that it's not actually about preaching the gospel, it's about living through action, it's about showing the kingdom, um, uh, about living out the values. And if you live out the values, if you live a wonderful, holy life, people will see that and they'll be challenged by it and they'll fall down on their knees in front of you and say, bring me to Christ, which some people have done, apparently. But again, maybe 70, 80 years ago. I haven't heard of anyone recently doing that. And the reason is because that, that kind of thinking, that preach the gospel at all times, that would have worked for people that had the wider narrative. So at the, at the time this was, most people would have gone to Sunday school. All schools, all schools would have been Christian-based. 
So most people growing up would have had that story. They might not have accepted it, but most people would have had in their background that wider narrative of who God is, that God sent Jesus. They might not know all the intricacies, but they have the idea of God is and God is good. I remember when I was in secondary school and it was the thing apparently all schools did. I think it was when I was in year 11 and we had an assembly and they would hand out these uh, New Testament and Psalms. Do you remember that? I'm getting a few nods. Um, now, I wasn't brought up in church, but I, and I, I would have thought that I didn't know anything about God, but I still had a narrative because I, when that was handed to me, we all joked to each other as lads, like, yeah, I'm going to set it on fire later, or that'll, I'll chuck that at someone. And I said that. But then when I walked off, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to keep this. I must read this one day because this would be good to read. I didn't know why, but I'd, I'd had, obviously, a wider narrative. I had, I had this, this wider story. I knew it linked somehow to something good. I didn't know what. I think now people don't have that. So if we do work acts of love, it's, people don't see, oh, there's a Christian. Look, they're, doing, they're, they're litter picking, or they've just helped someone across the road, or they've just given someone money, or they've given coffee to a homeless person, and they've walked into a church. <gasps> wow, I must give my life to Jesus. They don't have that narrative anymore. They're just thinking, that's a nice bloke. Thank you very much. So the approach of preach the gospel all times if necessary, necessary use words, I don't think is as relevant as it used to be. I do think we need to still tell people. We need to, they need to know the wider narrative. Because the wider narrative is missing. Which brings me on to a very practical application. So this was meant to be a talk about scripture, but I wanted to bring a bit of my own experience in because this is actually a talk... I spoke on about four years ago, not here, at my previous church. And I felt challenged by this very concept of story and of God because I uh, have always felt called to evangelism. And I remember all the places I've worked at, I used to be really proud of myself that when someone was either leaving or it was their birthday, everyone would write in someone's card. Yet the card would go around, it's like sign the card. And I'd make, always make a thing of trying to get right in the middle of the card in big letters and write God bless and I used to walk away really smug thinking yeah I've just dropped evangelism in look at me I'm I, wow I've just done mission there and there might have been a time when to some people they might have seen that and gone oh but actually I started I, I wrote it in once and I thought they're just going to think nothing because God is such a generic term now and I was working at the time with Muslims and it, I, I remember for the first time when um, one of them said, just as much as I do, he said, yeah, you know, God willing. And I was like, I think first I was like, you're stealing our word. That's our word, God. But of course it's not. It's their word. And he, he was using terms like, well, if it's, God's, if it's God's will or God bless, as much as I would use the term God bless, but we are talking about two different things. I'm talking about Jesus when I say he's talking about Allah. Um, and then another time that really cemented this to me that that God bless isn't enough anymore was I was in the pub with my dad and uh, a guy come in who he knew who he could hardly walk. He'd apparently been drinking all day and he was just utterly, utterly off his face. And my dad was sort of saying that it happens a lot and that he they had to talk him into getting a bike because he used to leave his car in the car, he used to have his car in the car park 
He'd drink so much. And then he'd attempt to drive home and they would intervene and have to keep saying to him, no, 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 no. And they'd either get him a taxi or they'd walk him home. In the end, they, 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 they talked him into getting a bike, which actually is still, still not great because you shouldn't drive, ride a bike drunk. But the, 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 the thought was there. And uh, so he was, yeah, he was totally, and, and, he, and so I was like, oh, okay. And then as he left, he went, everybody, God bless. And he walked out and I was like, ah. Okay, we don't own the monopoly on, on God bless anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So I challenged myself to, and I have been doing this for the last four years, where wherever I would say God, and this is so simple, it sounds really simple, and I'm sure I'm not the first person that's ever thought of it. And some of you, I don't know if, who, who I've ever texted, but I will always say, Jesus bless and wherever I would say the word God, I, 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 sw- I switch it with Jesus. And what I found is, no, it hasn't yet brought anyone to Christ. I haven't had anyone run up to me after seeing, writing Jesus blessed in a card and, and saying to me, please tell me how I can find this Jesus. But it has changed me because my challenge to you is if you're the sort of person that might say in a text or an email or a card, God bless. Change it to Jesus. I don't know if it was just me, but writing Jesus bless in the card is so much harder than writing God bless. I don't know why. Well, I do. But at the time I didn't. Because God bless is a really safe word. But when you say Jesus, you, you're actually claiming a lot more than, than, than God, God bless. You, you're, you are kind of saying more who you are. And I've had people question me more. So when I've s- spoken to people and said, Jesus bless or I'll pray to Jesus, they go, oh, okay, oh, you're one of them, are you? So it started the process. It's still, if they don't have the narrative, saying Jesus isn't going to link them to an all-wonderful, mighty, gracious God. But it, but it starts the process. But what it's done for me is it's made me a lot bolder. Bolder and bolder. It, it's made me more brave in when I preach to people because and again I, I can only if some of you might be thinking it's not a big deal but for me it was because for years I'd talked God bless and God this and God that and I'll pray to God for you and God willing and when I started changing it to Jesus 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 it then spurred me on to well if I've been brave with that I can be brave more and I've always tried, to, for, for years, I've tried to evangelise to my family. Uh, but I've always tried to, to ride that line of not, you know, not ramming it down their throats, trying to be the witness. So I've done the Francis of Assisi thing. Like, I'm not going to tell them because they know I'm just going to live out my life, gonna live a good model Christian life, and they're going to one day, they're going to come to Christ. It hasn't happened yet. But then uh, about three, two, three years ago, uh, my sister Jo, who wasn't a Christian, she was going through a bad time, and she said to me, I, I need some help. I, I'm, I'm really, I, I don't know what to do. And this was when I was just starting to use the Jesus term, and I was about to say, I'll pray to God for you, and I stopped and said, I'll pray to Jesus for you. I don't know if it was a supernatural thing or if it was my own mind, but I felt power. I felt something, well. And when I talked to her, 
Because by saying Jesus, it gave me that boldness. And I would have normally, if I just said, I'll pray to God for you, I would have stopped there. But I said Jesus, and I thought, okay, that's brave. And then I went one further and said, no, 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 I'm not going to pray for you. Come over here, we'll pray together. Which I never would have said that. I would have never had that courage to do that before because I didn't want to push or offend. And she did. She came over and she said, okay, we'll pray. I said, no, I'm not praying to Jesus, you are. And I got her to pray to Jesus which she didn't know how to pray. I was like, pray what's on your mind. Wonderful moment. The week later, she gave her life to Jesus. Now, I'm just saying, there might be a link, but it gave me that boldness. It gave me that, that, that courage by just changing the way I think about God and Jesus. It, 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 it gave me that more confidence that when I do witness to people, I, I go that a little bit further than, than I would have done. Maybe it's because I've seen that it's okay to change words it's okay to say jesus because that's who you believe in right it's it's okay so that would just be a little challenge try it see how you get on see if it does make any difference um so yeah just some examples of where i've changed the word so jesus bless good night and jesus bless if it's jesus will thank jesus jesus knows jesus has been good to me jesus is good i'll pray to jesus for you that's where i've some of the examples that I've, I've changed. Uh, so just to conclude, so other religions use the term God, but only Christianity focuses on Jesus. So I think there's something where it at least gives people clarity when we do say Jesus. We, we're telling them, I think, that we are at least Christians. They might still not have the wider narrative of what that means, but at least we're zero, zeroing them in a little bit more. Uh, Lots of people say they believe in God. I hear it all the time now. I may be attuned to it, but I hear people say, God willing, oh, thank God, and they're not a Christian. But I don't hear people say, thank Jesus. The only people I ever hear say, thank Jesus, are actual Christians. So saying Jesus doesn't tell the whole story, but at least it starts people on the right page. So we still have to tell them the narrative, and that narrative is us. What I will finish with is... It's interesting that today is Pentecost. And today is the day that we remember the story of Pentecost. My challenge is, we are the story of Pentecost. Maybe. Discuss. So as usual, we've got our three uh, questions to response. Is that or uh, Jamie had anything else in mind or you're happy doing this? So it's, it's how we normally reflect on these things. It's what has challenged you or what has brought desolation is the word we use. What has brought you life, what has encouraged you and what is God inviting you to do. So just get into small groups, three or fours, and we'll just have some discussion. I think Jamie will jump in and maybe get some feedback to the front. Yeah, there you are. I'm using a Jedi mind trick. You are going to do it. Thank you.